Secret Invasion's biggest twist means more than you think. Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Dan Casey, and today we're discussing Marvel's Secret Invasion. Episode 4, titled Beloved, confirmed more major fan theories and gave us clues about what lies ahead for the MCU. We're going to break it all down for you in just a moment, but to do so we have to spoil what happens. So if you haven't seen this week's Secret Invasion yet, well, leave now before you see something shocking. Fury, what the hell? Okay, let's get into it, shall we? The episode's title, Beloved, is a reference to Raymond Carver's poem, Late Fragment. We learn this poem holds a deep significance for Nick Fury and his wife Priscilla, who's really the scroll named Vara. The poem itself is incredibly brief. It reads as follows. And did you get what you wanted from this life, even so? I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth. It's a poignant poetic dialogue about reflecting back on one's life in the face of certain doom. Raymond Carver wrote this poem in 1988. He was on his deathbed battling the cancer that eventually claimed his life at age 50. And there's a certain degree of fatalism with Priscilla invoking this particular poem even back in 2012 when she first shared it with Nick Fury. That scene takes place in the immediate aftermath of the Battle of New York from Avengers. It was a world-shaking event that could have easily claimed Priscilla's beloved, Nick Fury's life. It was also nearly two decades after the Skrulls found themselves a people without a planet. In Captain Marvel, roughly one million Skrulls, as we know now, fled to the Earth to escape annihilation by the Kree. And it makes sense why Priscilla would gravitate towards this particular poem of Raymond Carver's. It offers a moment of solace amid the inevitable. It's even more poignant in the present day when Nick Fury and Priscilla are reflecting back on the imminent death of their marriage. While Priscilla wanted to feel herself beloved by Nick Fury, the Skrull people also wanted to feel beloved on the Earth. It's their adopted home, but they have to live in hiding. They're unable to walk freely in their own skin. It's a sentiment that really hits home during the emotional conversation between Talos and Gaia. Which, quick side note, this is yet another example of Marvel's low-key obsession with having beloved father figures saying their final farewells on a bench. I know it's a rock formation for Odin, but it's bench-like. But I digress. Skrulls like Talos and Vara managed to get what they wanted from this life, even so. Others like Gaia and Gravik may have people calling them beloved, but they certainly don't feel beloved on this Earth. Especially considering when we last saw those two, Gravik gunned Gaia down. But don't worry, folks, because at long last, Amelia Clark gets the Jon Snow treatment. <laughs> No, she didn't kiss her scrunkle, rather, she came back from the dead. And it didn't take an entire year full of increasingly unconvincing interviews to confirm it. Now, as we theorized last week, this is because Gaia secretly already underwent the super scrollification process. She was able to extract the memories and knowledge from Dr. Rosa Dalton. She is the geneticist that's being held captive inside a fracking pot. And Gaia used this massive device to give herself at least the powers of Extremis. As you may recall from Iron Man 3, Extremis used nanotech to rewrite genetic code. It gave users advanced healing factors and the tendency to look like they're in an arthritis commercial. Ow, my back is healing, and I feel like I could explode at any moment. What's unclear here is whether or not Gaia gave herself the full gamut of superpowers. It looks like she only loaded one vial of DNA into the machine. But if you look closely at the screen, you can see panels for the Frost Beast of Jotunheim from Thor The Dark World and Cull Obsidian, the member of Thanos' Black Order, who lent a helping hand to the Avengers in Infinity War. Oh! 
The only one missing from the database entries we saw previously is Groot. But much like Gravik's arm later in the episode, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to assume that Gaia gave herself everything on the menu, even if we only see Extremis so far. Now, by the way, I know there's like only 500 people working at the base at New Skrullos, but pretty impressive that they just left their Super Scroll machine so wildly unattended. As for what the future holds for Gaia, Nerdist staff writer Michael Walsh thinks that she could become one of the MCU's next major heroes. But for more on that, check out his article over on Nerdist. Anyway, that was hardly the most shocking thing that happened this episode, because folks, we got another one! Boom, you looking for this? <laughs> the number one suspect in our ongoing scroll watch, James Rhodes, turned out to be a frickin' scroll after all. Boom! I know, I'm shocked too. What? Look, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Let's move on. Anyway, the big reveal came when we saw a female Skrull stepping out of the shower, then morphing into Rhodey. Now, we don't know who exactly this Skrull is yet, but perhaps she could wind up being the MCU's version of Varanki. In the comics, Varanki was the Skrull queen who impersonated Spider-Woman and masterminded the overall invasion of Earth and the replacement of its mightiest heroes. And given that she's masquerading as the highest profile hero on the show so far, it's entirely possible even if they ditch the royalty angle. Because Rhodey's been acting awfully suspicious the entire season, and Fury seemingly called it from word one. I got a lead on a rebel scroll that's high up in the US government. Now the biggest clue is when Rhodey called Fury Nick. That's what this moment right here, right now is about Nick. And as we established last week, that's something that only dead people do. I'm that sorry, Nick. Don't do this to me, Nick. Nick. It's almost dead, Nick. Nick. Now I know, shut up, Cap's not dead, but I have no object permanence, so he's dead to me. If you really knew Nick Fury, you know that's not true. The other clue is that Rhodey mentioned The Undertaker without mentioning that in 1998, The Undertaker threw mankind off Hell in a Cell and plummeted 16 feet through an announcer's table. Your move. When Rhodey asks if the bourbon is poisoned, it's a nice callback to their sit-down in episode two. But as it turns out, the bourbon is spiked with something specifically nanotech in the form of a liquid tracker. So it looks like Fury was telling the truth after all. Nanotechs. <laughs> nanotech. Unfortunately, while Fury seemingly knows Rhodey's secret, they still have video evidence of Nick Fury murdering Maria Hill. The real question is, when exactly did Rhodey get replaced? Well, we'll delve deeper into that in another video, but our best guess is sometime after Avengers Endgame, because to make it any earlier than that would really cheapen the emotional stakes of the Infinity Saga. Because as we've seen from Quantumania, the Avengers are basically celebrities now. Thank you, Spider-Man. So it makes a ton of sense that someone like President Ritson would want Rhodey elevated to a chief advisory capacity in the wake of saving the entire universe. That proximity to power, both super and political, is also what made Rhodey such an attractive candidate to kidnap and replace in the first place. It's also the perfect way to set up armor wars. Whenever they wind up rescuing Rhodey, he's gonna have his work cut out for him. He needs to recover any Stark tech that may have been misappropriated during his time in the fracking pot. It's a plot that was teased all the way back in Age of Ultron. Boom, you looking for this? <laughs> Now, as for the President Ritson of it all, for the time being, it seems like Gravik's assassination attempt failed. And while Fury managed to save Ritson, he couldn't stop Gravik from murdering Talos. And unlike Gaia, I don't think Talos has the super strength to survive this one. 
Even worse, Fury had to leave Talos' body behind. That's gonna give world governments a major clue about the Skrulls' involvement in these ongoing attacks. And this will likely be one of the major events that leads to the creation of the Thunderbolts, and people like General Thunderbolt Ross seizing power in Captain America Brave New World. Now, during this battle, we see two of Gravik's four superpowers in action. His stretchy Groot arm and his extremist healing factor. It lets him shrug off a bullet to the face like a mere bee sting. And with just two episodes left to go, we have to wait and see how exactly Cull Obsidian and the Frost Beast's abilities will play out. Unless, of course, we've already seen one of those powers. Remember back in episode two? Didn't Gravik seem just a little too comfortable in that meat locker? Frost Beast, baby! Boom! Anyway, everything's pointing towards a decidedly deadly showdown between Nick Fury and Gravik. But how can you kill someone that can heal from any wound? Go f*** yourself. Well, Fury's gonna get by with a little help from his friend's newly superpowered daughter. In the meantime, though, we'll have even more deep dives into this show over on Nerdist. But for now, tell us, what did you think of this episode? Did you spot anything that we missed? And who else do you think might be a secret scroll? Guess we'll never know. Anyway, let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com.